let's dig right in. Go from there. We've, we've talked over the last couple weeks about uh, our mission expressed. We looked at the Great Commission, Matthew 28. We talked about how God has called us to go and make disciples. Um, actually, the word make is not in there, so we're to go disciple uh, as we're going everywhere. And we do that by baptizing and teaching. And so that's our 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 mission here on this earth, you know, and, and all of the things that we do were to go and to do this uh, wherever we go and whatever we do. And that includes jobs, schools, uh, vacations, you know, all that good stuff. We are always on mission in that sense. And that's what our, our theme this summer is, is faith on mission. How do we take our faith with us everywhere we go and uh, live it out and live it effectively? Um, and then two weeks ago, we looked at uh, the mission exhibited and we saw how Jesus displayed that mission. And how Jesus was the example of one who was always on mission, how he uh, set his heart to, uh, to the cross. He knew what his role was, he knew his function, and he lived it out, and, and he did that. Today, uh, we're going to, in our third study here, we're going to look at uh, being equipped for the mission. Uh, any soldier that goes out to battle needs to be equipped and trained. And so you would not put someone that is ill-equipped in an important role. And uh, since we have been uh, called to be ambassadors, we are in an important role representing Christ and his kingdom. We are the representatives. We are the face of the kingdom, if you will. Uh, you know, God has sent his son Christ. Christ has now returned back to heaven, fulfilling his mission. And he's left the rest of the mission in our hands. Um, that we are to go out and to do these things and to, to be his representative. So we need to be equipped and prepared and trained and uh, all that to be effective at our mission. So... Um, the first thing I want to do tonight is to look at this, uh, the phrase equip. Uh, in the Greek, there's a specific Greek word that, that is used over and over again to talk about our equipping. And it's the Greek word kataridzo. And this Greek word kataridzo, I've got a couple definitions here. Strong's concordance defines the term as being properly or exactly fit or to be in good working order. Uh, for example, to be adjusted exactly down to any any specification or to be fully functional. Um, another uh, definition uh, is that it, it can be used to describe a trainer who adjusts part of the body. Think of your, your, you know, your surgery and the guys that are doing that. Uh, it, it's a surgical term talking about the setting of a broken bones or putting uh, a dislocated limb back into place, realigning things, uh, the repair and refitting of a damaged vessel. So all of these things are what the idea of equipping means, is we're taking something that's out of joint, out of its proper function, out of its proper place, and we're realigning it so that it can function properly for the purpose that it's intended. If you dislocate your shoulder, your shoulder's out of place and it doesn't function right. So you got to get it put back into place. That's equipping. If your boat gets a hole in the bottom of it, or a board breaks off your boat, you've got to straighten that, uh, that board back out and fix it back into place for the boat to function properly. Um, and so in our lives, uh, in order for us to be equipped, the idea of equipping is that we're taking something that's uh, skewed out of, out of position, something that's off place, and we're realigning it so that it can be uh, properly functioning for our mission and for our goal. And if our mission is to go and make disciples, the things that would be askew in our life would be uh, our focus on that mission, are the content of what we're bringing or, or any of those sort of things, the tools that we have to use, uh, our ability to comfortably use them, all those sorts of things uh, are what are a little bit off. And so it's not necessarily that 
we are unable to fulfill the mission. It's that there's something not fitting properly within that mission itself. And so we can think of all of the distractions, all of the things that would come away that God says, I need to equip you. In order to equip you, I've got to tear some things away because they're getting in the way of the mission. You know, on a boat, you scrape the barnacles off the bottom because they're getting in the way of that boat functioning properly and fully. Um, if you have uh, an abnormality on your body, you might cut that abnormality out because it's getting in the way of your body fully functioning and stuff. So it's the idea of, of setting something back in line to function properly in its full place. So that's what equipping really is. So it, it's it's the, the reshaping, the repairing, the retrofitting, or any of those things to, to bring full functioning back into place. Now, the first thing I wanted to point out tonight is that this is a work of God. We often think of equipping as something that we do, that this is our job. But if you look at Hebrews chapter 13, we're going to jump to a number of verses tonight, but Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21, this is a, a summary of the book of Hebrews. And in the end, the, the author of Hebrews is uh, praying a benediction uh, to, the, to the readers of the letter. And he says there in Hebrews 13, 20 to 21, he says, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So the idea there that this is, uh, the author of Hebrews there is praying that the God of peace, who raised Jesus from the dead according to the covenant, may this God equip you with everything that you need to fulfill the things that he's been talking about, that you may go and do his will. And his will is that you would be an ambassador and represent him and live out the life he's called you to. So it's God who does that equipping. It's God who uh, brings all of this stuff, and it's God who, who uh, allows that equipping in your life. But that's first of all, that's one thing I think we often miss, and we think the, uh, the equipping is up to us. I've got to learn so much, or I've got to do so much, or I've got to, uh, you know, read these many books, or go to this school and get this degree, and and all of those things are great. But the equipping, first and foremost, is God's responsibility. And what God's done is He's given us tools that we can partake of in our equipping. So, uh, but God is the one who fully equips us. He's going to lead us to those right places to be equipped. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second, with specifically and primarily the church. The church is the place where we are to be equipped, and there are people and individuals that he's placed there that uh, are, have that responsibility to equip. <clears throat> but there's also opportunities outside of church, fellowship settings, all these sort of things, where equipping takes place on a constant basis. So the various people around our lives are all part of that equipping process. And so, But it's God who is uh, ordaining these things around us to bring us to that place of being equipped, to being put back in line that we can be effective for him. So, um, then the main passage I wanted to look at tonight is Ephesians chapter 4. And you guys have all read this passage, I know, but Ephesians 4 verses 11 through 17. Uh, he's talking about unity in the body and how the body can all come together and, and uh, fulfill its function. But in verse 11, he says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, and here's our word, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, 
uh, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, when it is fully equipped, <laughs> makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And this whole passage is, is key for that equipping because it gives us how we're equipped at the beginning there, and then it gives us the result of the equipping at the end. The result, if we start with that, is that, is that the entire body builds itself up in love. So the equipping is for the purpose of the body to build itself up. So we get to you know, be equipped to serve one another. That's why when you read throughout the scripture, it says, you know, be sure to do good to, whenever you have opportunity, especially to those who are of the household of faith. We, we have a responsibility to other believers to care for them and to uh, share the love of Christ with them and to, to share our gifting with them and to share this life with them. And so we're to be equipped to operate within this body. And as the body, each one of us have been given gifts. We'll get into that next week. Uh, and, uh, um, but each one of us have been given gifts that we share with one another and we now build each other up and we support each other up just as the whole body works together. And so, but if, if there are certain parts of the body that are not equipped to handle their job, that can make the rest of the body suffer because someone's got to now compensate. Again, you got a bad shoulder. If your shoulder's not working right, your other shoulder usually compensates. If you hurt your hip, your other hip usually compensates. Your back, you know, when one part is hurting or not able to fulfill its function, it causes the other parts to have to compensate and it pulls them away from their function and so on. That's why the, the body of Christ, there's, if, when every part is fully equipped, we have unity now because everything's working properly in its function and in its place. And then it's being built up and strengthened itself. But in here we see the church's leaders, first of all, in verse 11, there, there's four specific leaders listed here. Um, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and then pastor teachers. I believe pastor and teacher go together to describe the same function. Um, some, uh, we won't go down that road. That, that's another study, but <laughs> there, are, there are at least four uh, uh, you know, giftings here that are listed. Um, we're not going to get into those tonight, but verse 12 talks about the purpose of these people. God has placed the church there and placed these people within the body, within that body life there, for the purpose of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And so I think what, what we see today, and especially in America, but even around the world, is we've looked at the work of the ministry as being the responsibility of the minister. We look at the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastor teachers and say, isn't the ministry your job? I go to work on Monday and I do my job. Your job is the work of the ministry. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers are there to equip the body. That's you and me, uh, who are not full-time employed ministers, if you will. Um, that's not our, our, our occupation, in a sense. But... The occupation of the ministry, if, you're, if we can call it that, the calling of a minister is to equip the body so that the body can go and do the work of ministry. And the reason I think the church has become so weak and, and so ineffective is that we're looking at a small select group of people with these giftings to go and do all of the ministry themselves. And so we get a small portion of the body doing the work that the entire body should be doing. And then we can also be taking away from the opportunity that this portion of the body has to fulfill their function because they're now covering for everybody else who didn't do their function. Okay, And so now realize this, when we say the apostles, prophets, 
evangelists, pastor, teachers, they're also members of the body, so they are effective in the ministry and, and going forth in the same way. But I think oftentimes we put too much of the ministry responsibility on those roles. And if you're not a full-time staff member of the church, well, then that exempts you from being engaged in ministry. And that's not the case at all. Uh, everybody does have that different call and place that the Lord's placed them. And again, our mission is to go and make disciples. And we make disciples as we're equipped by those who are discipling us. And then we go and pass that on to others. And so uh, that chain gets broken oftentimes at, this, at the lay level, if you will, where we have people that fail to see that I'm being equipped so that I can go do the ministry, not so that guy can go do the ministry. <laughs> He's not doing the ministry to build me up so that I can sit here and be built up. He's pouring into me so that I can go and pour into others. And so we really need to uh, make sure that that's our, our focus here in being equipped, is that we are equipped for the purpose of the ministry itself. And uh, <clears throat> so we need to be active in that. So this is kind of the responsibility of each believer now, is that we need to be equipped, we need to be prepared, we need to be um, ready um, so that we can rightly represent the king that we're representing. We're his ambassadors. And if an ambassador comes to town but really doesn't know the king, how's he going to represent the king? You know, in those days, they would send someone ahead. When a king was coming, they would send a herald or an ambassador ahead to prepare the way. And say, hey, so-and-so's coming. This is the business. This is what he's got to say. So when the king arrives, the people are already prepared. The way is already laid for him. And so we get to be the ambassadors of Christ, that we are going before him uh, and saying, hey, this is the Christ you need to know. And then all of a sudden we get to introduce the Christ to people and people uh, get to make their decisions from there. But uh, if we don't know Christ, if we don't know, uh, uh, you know what it is that he wants for us to do or we're not equipped properly to represent him, then uh, we misrepresent him and we have problems with that. So how are we properly equipped to do this job? Again, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission is a, a little bit of a model there. We're baptizing them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey all things or to observe all things that I've commanded you. That's Jesus speaking. That So we, we baptize and, and we teach. Those are essentials. But uh, the, the tools specifically for equipping, this is what we wanted to get into tonight. The first and most obvious tool for equipping, the Word. <laughs> it's a no-brainer that without, if, you, if you're not, uh, familiar with the Word of God, if you're not studying the Word of God, you're not engaged in the Word of God, you're not being equipped. Uh, but many churches are setting aside the Word of God. Uh, many churches are downplaying the Word of God. Um, they've uh, redefined what the Word of God is in relationship to the church. Um, they've taken the Word, God, Word of God off of its uh, platform uh, and are teaching other ideas, other concepts that are contrary to the Word. Um, they're beginning to act in ways that are contrary to the Word of God and justifying it based on social issues. Um, so the Word of God is essential. The passage that I would look at for that, all of you guys know, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, um, where it says there that all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. We've all heard that, that it's profitable for teaching. That's what's right. It's the proper doctrine it's prop, uh, for reproof. That's for correction for, uh, or, or for, uh, for identifying false doctrine. And then for correction, that's how to, how to get into the right direction, doctrine. And then for training in righteousness, how to stay on that right path so you can do those things. 
And the purpose there that the scripture is profitable in those things and the reason we hold the scripture in that light and we look at the scriptures at sources in verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So you may have everything you need and that it would all be lined up in proper order. And so we want to operate scripturally. And so um, if you were to go someplace, you know, we've been on several trips where we've had to realign a church. Uh, that's gotten unscriptural. Uh, one example was early on in, in uh, uh, some of the African countries we went to. Um, we would be dealing with worship because they're very expressive in Africa. I love worship in Africa. It's totally different from here. You don't sit down. <laughs> People dance around the entire room. And it's not Pentecostal stuff. It's it's cultural. They, they, they're, they're very engaged and very active and very uh, involved. And it's, it's very cool. Um, but when I sat down and I talked to the worship leader of the church, and I said, and we had roundtable discussions, I, I, the first question we talked about was, why do you worship? What, what's the whole point of this? What's it? And, and there was a, a big discussion, and my translator stopped translating for me halfway through the discussion. <laughs> and the discussion went on another five minutes, and I saw just a change in the tone of, of the conversation. I said, what, what's going on? He says, oh, we've moved on from that topic to another one. I said, well, wait, let's go back. Why, why do we worship? And he said, well, we worship because we want to show God that we're serious enough about him that he should show up. And their, their goal in worship and their animation, and it was very cultural for their, their societies, is you had to show God that you were passionate enough about him and it was worth his time to come and be there in your midst. And so that was their heart in worship. You know, they really wanted God to show up. So the more excited they got, the louder they got, the more frantic they danced, the more God would be excited to be with them was their mindset. And so, okay, hold on, we've got to back up now. <laughs> Let's get the word of God out and see what worship is. And so we spent the rest of our time, we didn't even get to the other questions. Let's see, what is worship all about? Let's redefine this. And so let's get biblical about our worship. And we went back a couple years later, and they still have the same animation. They still had a lot of awesome stuff going on. They beat drums, they have tambourines. It's, it is, it's fully cultural, which is fantastic. And that's how they worship. But the, you could tell a difference in their worship at this point. No longer were they worshiping trying to earn God's presence. They were worshiping out of response to God being present. And so it was a different notion, and, and it opened up a, a, a freedom in their worship that they didn't have before. Before they were trying so hard, now they were free to just worship. And so some of them actually became a little more reserved. Uh, that they didn't have to dance and chant and jam do all those things as before. So they were able to sit down and, and reflect more on what they were doing and have that time a little bit more personally. And, and that was a, a chance for them to grow in their worship. But we had to correct them and get back to the scripture and get back to the word of God But and as they read that. and So so there's all kinds of opportunities in these places and in these, these settings where uh, the word of God becomes our standard. And the word of God has all of the principles that we need. Uh, when we apply the word of God to the setting. You can go back into the Old Testament. The law lays out all of the principles. That's one of the fantastic things about Leviticus. When you read Leviticus, it's a book about holiness. Most people get turned off by it because it's all law, law, law. But it is an incredible, beautiful book that tells you what holiness looks like before the Lord. And it's not in keeping all of these outward observances. It's the principles that underlie the reason for the observance. And those things are still in play today. So if we have a better understanding of the law and why it's there and what we do, and, and then you can apply those principles that God was trying to express through that law, we can take it now 
and we can apply it to our New Testament church. We can see it in, uh, in the New Testament scriptures. We can see it in the life of Christ and the life of the early church and the development of the church through the years. We're, we're able to see the scriptures uh, clarify those sort of things and, and define them further uh, as we go. And then we've got all of these letters written to these churches to deal with specific situations that can still apply today as well. So the, the scriptures handle everything. And it says that you, when you have the scriptures there, Second uh, Timothy three sixteen and 17, that you become complete and equipped for every good work. So there's nothing else you need. You know, there's a lot of great books out there. There's a lot of great studies, a lot of great seminary pastors and teachers and, and historical people that have written incredible things. But it's not the Bible. <laughs> I've got my favorite books. I love reading them. I read them over and over again. And I get a lot from them. And I, I glean from them a lot. But they can't replace the Bible. And that's a tendency that we have is to you know, find our favorite author or our favorite pastor teacher and their, their word now becomes the way it happens. This is the way it has to go. But we always want to compare it to scripture. I th- that's why even Paul, I, I always trip out with Paul says, you know, the Bereans took what I said and they went to see if these things were so. They didn't even take Paul's word for it. And if you're going to take anybody's word for it, Paul's a pretty good guy to take his word for it. But it, Paul said, they didn't even take my word for it. And this is good for them. They went and they checked it out for themselves. Does it line up with the scripture? And so he, they were commended for that. And we should be commended for that as well, that we're in the word, we're taking advantage of the word, we're getting to know the word. Um, and that is not just an intellectual pursuit. Because uh, I think oftentimes when we talk about that, we talk about it on an intellectual level. If I go to seminary and I get the degree and I learn the Greek and I learn the Hebrew and I can do all of these things and I can you know, compare the doctrines and do all that stuff. And that's all good and fine. But... God simply says about hiding the word in your heart. It's not about, you know, explicating the, the, all of these things about the scripture so much. It's about knowing God said this, it's in my heart, maybe memorizing it and, and holding it dear and, and, and cherishing it so much that this has become now a part of the core of who I am. My identity is wrapped up in the word of God. And so, um, Lest we look at this and think it's some uh, intellectual plea to know the word better than anybody else or to be able to quote chapter and verse at any moment. Uh, that's all good and fine. And, and we get better and better at that as we continue to study. But that's not the goal. The goal is that the word has a hold on us and it becomes that uh, defining factor for our life and our conduct. So the word is that first essential tool. And then we can grow in our study and understanding of the word there. The second essential tool is prayer. And I don't think any of these are going to be much of a shock for, for us today. <laughs> but it's prayer. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, it's a couple books over, <coughs> Paul says, he's talking about Epaphras, who was a, a beloved brother there, um, who had traveled with Paul. And uh, he's from Colossae there, so he's writing back. And he says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, he greets you. He's always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. So Epaphras is noted and commended for his prayer life, but here's what he prayed for. He says that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. And the idea is that Epaphras is using that tool of prayer to pray for his brothers and sisters back in Colossae, who were a part of the church. And, and even though Epaphras couldn't be there with them, Epaphras could pray for them. And his prayer was that they would be mature, fully assured of the will of God. They would be equipped. They would be prepared. They would be 
able to handle whatever God brought their way, fully ready to do whatever God called them to do there in Colossae for the benefit of the body. And so that, that idea of prayer, we often downplay it, and it is a challenge in our culture especially uh, to have a deep prayer life, uh, to, to speak to the Lord consistently, I think. It, it, it's a difficult thing because we're so outwardly animated, if you will. Uh, we're, we have uh, TV shows, movies, and, and, and we get so much from the outside, and our communication is all outside. How do you talk to a person that you've never seen? How do you talk to God? How, you know, having those sort of things can be very, very challenging and difficult. Uh, and, uh, and then if you're like me, your mind wanders. You try to have a time of prayer, and all of a sudden, all the stuff from the day comes up. And you know, at that moment, everything comes in, and uh, you remember stuff you should have done, or something. Ha- your phone rings, or the kids come in, or you know, all of a sudden, everything pops up. And so, having that that prayer time is is a discipline that we develop, but it's that tool that without prayer, they say, without prayer, you're you're going in powerless, basically, because prayer is a, something that. Uh, uh, you know, it's a connection of your heart to God's heart in a lot of those ways. And if you're not connected to the king, uh, then you're going out on your own ability rather than his ability. Now, I know we'll talk about filling with the Holy Spirit another time, but uh, the Holy Spirit empowers us. But that prayer life is that that connection, communication connection with God that God's able to pour into us through prayer. Um, I've, I heard a, a pastor um, talk about prayer once, and, and he talked about the way we often pray. And he, he talks about it as a monologue. You know, we sit down and we pray to God. Okay, God, here's my day. Lord, I'm sorry for doing this. Here's what I'm going to need for the week. Here's here's stuff going on over there. If you would deal with that. And and we, we kind of lay all this stuff out. And we follow the Lord's prayer or whatever it is. But it's a monologue to God. And he says, what if you went home and you had a conversation with your spouse that way? That was the way you communicated to your spouse. It was all a monologue. You came home from work and it's oh, okay, honey, I did this and that. And they never were able to speak back. They never were able to talk to you. You never had that time where you stopped talking and allowed them to talk. He says, that's how we oftentimes approach prayer with God. And so what I want to suggest tonight is that we combine these first two things, the word of God and prayer, into a single entity. Because we can pray and speak to the Lord, but when do we stop and let the Lord speak back to us? And sometimes we even separate those out. Okay, I prayed to open this up. Now I'm going to study the Word, and then I'll pray to finish. And we, you know, Maybe we can interact our prayer with reading of the Word and pray over what we've just read. And that takes time and effort and concentration. But being able to, to mix the two together allows God to speak to us about the thing we just prayed about sometimes. And so um, doing that would allow the, the Word to come to life in new ways would allow the, the application of the word to come to life in some ways when we're praying about specific things. But that might be a, a tool in, in prayer that is helpful to us that we're able to combine prayer with our study uh, with the rest of our walk there as well. So the word of God and prayer, no surprise, two essential tools to uh, being equipped. Uh, but there's two more I wanted to give you here that uh, may be less obvious. I think this third one's fairly obvious, but uh, uh, we'll go for it anyways. <clears throat> Uh, A third tool is what we call intentional training. And this would be taking a class, for example. Uh, Let me read just a couple of passages. In Luke chapter 6, verse 40, uh, Jesus is speaking, and he's talking about uh, the call to discipleship and being trained up there. And he says in Luke 6, 40, that a disciple is not above his teacher, 
But everyone who is fully trained, there's our word, equipped, will be like his teacher. So the idea that there's a, a process of being trained before we become fully equipped. We talked about that's why there's apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists and stuff given to the church so that they can train, they can provide intentional training uh, to assist in this uh, equipping process. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, Paul is commending Timothy to the church there, and he says, uh, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit that to faithful men who are able to teach others also. So there's an idea of you've received this doctrine, you've in, uh, you have received instruction, you've gotten this, now you go and share that with others in those settings where they can be equipped so that they can now go out and do ministry as well. And a lot of that intentional training, it, it can involve things like church, going to church every Sunday, sitting in on studies. That's very important. But it goes even beyond that. It goes into the small group settings. It goes into class type settings where we do sit down and we learn doctrine, where we sit down and we learn specific things uh, in, in more detail than might come out from a Sunday morning pulpit. Um, so there, there are settings where we can focus on specific topics or issues um, and be equipped in certain areas. You know, we've had uh, trainings on biblical counseling before. How do we walk someone through troubles? And that might not be something that is appropriate from the, the pulpit for the entire congregation, but there's a portion of the congregation that ministers in that specific arena. So we can set, pull them aside and give some intentional specific training on that purpose. Or there may be some that are interested in missions. Well, let's pull aside and have a mission study. And what does it look like to do this? And equip them for that particular function. And so that intentional training can involve no, uh, several things. One, it, it, it can involve your, your per personal calling, your particular place within the body. And what, it, what kind of training do you need to be effective in that particular place? Uh, ushers ministry. <laughs> uh, believe it or not, ushers need some training. <laughs> the parkers need to know how to park the cars and what directions we're going and how do you greet someone that wants to run you over and, uh, you know, these sort of things. <clears throat> That's all happened, right, Joe? <laughs> You get someone with a lead foot that didn't like you standing in their way, or you pointed them to the wrong spot, or you asked them to stop talking in the middle of service, and they didn't like it. And How do we handle that? What if someone stands up and speaks in the middle of the service and wants to interrupt? And, you know, there's, there's all training like that. We're not going to address that from a pulpit on a Sunday morning, <laughs> but we can train the ushers. We can train uh, you know, music and, and all these sorts of things. So that intentional training is it more of a focused uh, opportunity to Commit things that you have learned about your specific ministry and that you get to pass on to others who are going to fulfill a similar function so that they can be fully equipped and able to handle that part. And so you can think about your workplace. Um, if we all traded workplaces this week, it would probably look pretty hectic. <laughs> you would walk into my workplace and not know quite what to do. I would walk into yours and be completely lost. Um, and, and we've not been trained at the function that is required there. And so in the church, it's the same way that we can all fulfill different things. And if we walk into somebody else's function or we have an opportunity to serve in a different area, we might be lost a little bit and someone needs to bring them along. And so I compared this a lot to uh, <clears throat> the idea of bringing home. I, I used it in, in the terms of a baby Christian, but use it in terms of a, of a person new to the ministry or a new aspect of the ministry. When we had our twins... <clears throat> We came home from the hospital. We put them, had them in the car seats, right? Because they're strapped in. They can't go anywhere. <laughs> and we walk inside. 
and we toured the house. Hey, this is our house. This is where you're going to live from now on. Here's the kitchen. And we showed, here's the bedroom we've worked hard on. Look at your bed. It's all beautiful. We did all this stuff. And then we set them in the middle of the living room. We said, good luck. We're going to go sit by the pool now. Hope you guys do good. Give us a call if you need anything. And then we go out and we, that's not how we handle a new baby, right? <laughs> but that's what oftentimes when people get engaged in ministry, that's how we handle it. Well, good luck. <laughs> You've been sitting in on a Sunday morning service. You know how all this works, right? <laughs> and so go and do the ministry. And if you need us, give us a call. I'm going to stand back over here. And so we get thrown into ministry. And I know all of us can probably attest. We've all been thrown into ministry somewhere. And it's going to happen at some point. But we get thrown into ministry functions where we probably could have been trained a little better. And prepared a little better to handle it. I remember I did my first wedding. And I remember calling Lance the night before saying, so do I get notes or something? Uh, you know, I've been to weddings, but I've never been up front at the wedding. You know, the one that's required to say, all, is there anything I have to say to make it legal? I mean, what do we do? And so, but being able to be walked through some of these things, to, to come alongside uh, on a hospital visit and to see what it looks like to walk into the room of someone who's sick. And how do you minister to a person like that? To be able to walk in on a few with someone who's done it before and been brought along. That's the intentional training that we're talking about. And that's part of the discipleship process that uh, we get to be a part of. We get to take people on our adventures to minister and serve and pass that on. So Paul's called to Timothy there in, in 2 Timothy 2, uh, where he's talking about what you've learned from me. Commit to faithful men who are able to teach others also. It isn't just for pastors to pass this on to other pastors who are going to pastor. It's for all of the body to pass on what you've learned to other people who are going to serve in different ministries so that they can do these same things too. And so it's this intentional, specific training for the work of ministry that uh, may go more specifically than a congregational setting is going to handle. Uh, and again, this is not just intellectual. It's not just learning doctrine. It's not just learning the ins and the outs of, of you know, this information. But it's the actual getting your boots wet. It's actually doing it, which goes into the, the fourth tool that I, I've got here. It's really just the experience, uh, going through the trials, going through the suffering of it all and, and enduring it and, and getting your feet wet in some of these things. In James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, uh, James says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so the idea is that you go through these trials, and in, in that context, it's a little bit more about suffering. Uh, I know 1 Corinthians talks a bit about suffering as well in some of those settings. But the idea of suffering doesn't necessarily have to be persecution in the sense, but it can be going into a setting that you're uncomfortable with and not sure how to handle and so it's a trial that you're going into. You're not sure how to handle yourself. So you go into there and, and endure that. Let it produce a steadfastness as you, as you realize that, okay, I can handle this. Uh, I, I can find some scriptures to bring to it. And I, I, can, I can minister to this person. I can do these things. And your steadfastness begins to bring about a full effect that you become complete and perfect, lacking in nothing as you start learning and get your feet wet doing these things. You know, we, we've bought a, a machine, all you guys know, the CNC machine uh, for stuff. And we've watched a lot of YouTube videos. And watching the YouTube videos are fantastic. These guys are good. They explain it really well. They lay it out really well. You guys are experiencing this now. And, 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 and you know, after watching those videos, I'm like, I get it. 
I, I know how to make these, these complicated things now, and I fully get what to do with all of this stuff. And then I go sit down, and I try to do it, and it doesn't turn out the same way. It's not quite right. Mine's a little tilted, or it's a little this, or whatever it is. But it's only by me doing it that I learn the process itself. Again, I can watch all the YouTube videos I want to. I can sit down and listen to all the studies I want to. I could go and read as many counseling books as I want to. But unless I'm sitting down face-to-face with someone, I'm not going to really get it. And so the idea uh, between that experience and the trials as a tool, this is a tool that we have to actually step out at some point. We've got to take all of our training, all of our learning, all of our prayer, all of our Bible study, and we've got to open our mouth at some point when we're out there. <laughs> when we're going about our day, discipling people, we've got to intentionally say, I'm going to bring the Lord into this. I'm going to teach them what I've learned. I'm going to, I'm going to give them this. And so we, we've got to get our feet wet doing that. And it's, sometimes it's uncomfortable things. It's uncomfortable places. And it's, it's things that we don't think we're equipped for. I never think I'm equipped whenever I go somewhere. I'm always shorthanded. I'm always missing something. I, I feel like I don't have what it takes. But when you show up and you just do it, the Lord shows up. And the Lord fills in anything that you're lacking. And the Lord gives you the strength. He'll bring something to remembrance. Or he'll, he'll give you whatever the, the right word is or the right verse is. Or he'll speak through you even if you don't know what to say. If you're just faithful to the word, you've been in prayer, you, you've availed yourself of, of whatever preparation you're able to, and you just go for it, the Lord will honor that. And the Lord will bless that. And, and by going through those experiences, you see the Lord show up. And we, we, it builds our faith and we become perfect and complete because we learn by doing. I'll tell you what, I've been in a lot of these settings where I didn't know what the heck to do. I was lost. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what scripture to turn to. I, don't know, I didn't know how to comfort someone when I walked into my first hospital room. I've never been in that setting before, personally, <laughs> at that point. And, and I, I remember saying, what do I say to these people? And I didn't know what to say. And so I would just, I read a psalm. I don't know what it was, but you know, but after going in through a few of these hospital rooms, it's like, okay, I've got a little bit of an idea of where this is now. And, and, you know, doing my first funerals and stuff, I didn't know what to say. I had never lost anybody close to me at that point. How do you comfort someone? But what I realized was when five years, 10 years later, those people walked up and they say, I remember you, you did my mom's funeral. You did my grandmother's funeral or whatever it was. And you know what they always tell me? They say, I don't remember a word you said. I just remember you being there. I just remember the love. I just remember that. I remember the presence and that stuff. And so it's not so much about our ability, but it's about our willingness. And so the equipping there is as as we're availing ourselves of what the Lord's given us. He's given us the word. He's given us, uh, uh, you know, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers to uh, assist in equipping us. And we avail ourselves of that. We're in prayer. We're doing intentional training. We're doing all this stuff. Now we put our feet to the to the to the street and we get going. And wherever the Lord sends us, we 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 are on mission. We're thinking about okay, God, I, I've got all of this stuff stored up now. Let me put it out. Let me put it out there. And, and wherever you're going to give me that opportunity to go, let's go. And whatever it costs, that's what it costs. But I'm your ambassador, not the world's ambassador. And so I think that, for me, that was the idea of the equipping here. Is that there's nothing fancy to this. It's not seminary degrees. Again, if, you know, I'm, I'm not opposed to seminary. I, I, I had a great time in seminary. <laughs> um, but seminaries often reduce this to a formula. And if you, they, they you know, with the, the letters behind your name, therefore you are now equipped. Rather than, 
with the heart of God and, and an understanding of the scriptures and that passion and desire to serve him, now you're equipped. Um, and, and so we want to make sure we're going about these things the Lord's way and that we're following the Lord in this and that he's the one equipping us, he's the one preparing us and uh, that we're able to point to the scriptures, point to his uh, instructions as we go about these things. And so... My challenge to you guys is to continue being engaged in equipping. I know all of you guys are already engaged in serving, this is preaching to the choir in some respects. But, uh, you know, that we're, we're all constantly being equipped. We're all constantly learning and growing. We're all constantly being put into situations where we're experiencing God in new ways and seeing God do new things. Um, and and there's, all, there's new training that we can go through it all the time because we're always being refreshed and we're always learning new ways to handle things. So... Um, be always be mindful, even as we're about our mission, that we're constantly being training. You know, a military person, you're, you're never going to end training. You know, I don't care what rank you are, <laughs> you're always going to be trained, right? You always have that kind of stuff. And so um, th there's never an end to the training until you end your enlistment. And so and our enlistment in the Lord's army doesn't end until we go to be with the Lord. <laughs> so... But we're always learning, we're always growing, we're always being equipped. And the goal is, is completion. The goal is everything in alignment. We may never reach that in our life. Um, so we're always needing equipping. We're always needing that. And so the last thing I would, I would say this is, is humility. That every person we come across is an opportunity for us to learn and be equipped. And it may even be an unbeliever. It may be a, uh, a believer who doesn't seem to have any of this down yet. But they're going to be able to teach us and show us something if we're open. And the Lord will work through all of those settings if we're willing to hear. And if we're willing. Some of the best lessons I've learned are from people who aren't trained in any specific way or were even new believers. But their insight or the freshness of something or whatever it was, was a good reminder or a good uh, message. And so we just need to be humble enough to allow the Lord to use whatever venue he decides to use to teach us. So be equipped. We know what the, the mission is. We've seen our example in the mission. We know how to get equipped. Next week, Mark is going to teach. I'm, we're going to be out of town. We'll still have it here. So, um, um, But Mark is going to teach on being empowered for the ministry, for the mission. Because if we go off in our own strength, we're in big trouble. Um, it doesn't work. Take my word for it. <laughs> but uh, I'll leave that until... Um, definitely for that. So let's pray and uh, call night. Lord, thank you for this time, uh, for your word being the, that tool uh, that you use to equip us and to instruct us. Help us to um, be available to your tools to train us for uh, prayer, uh, for those around us, for these intentional training opportunities, for uh, that we would be willing to step out and to experience you in these settings that we would get beyond our comfort zones and our agendas and our ideas of what need to happen and allow you to work. And uh, that we would allow you to take us to places that we normally wouldn't go and to, to do things we normally wouldn't do for your sake. And uh, may you lead all of those things and may you continue to equip us and prepare us and um, make us mature and complete for every work that we can be faithful to your call and uh, that we can be effective in reaching those around us and uh, encouraging and growing the body of Christ around us, Lord. Thank you for your promises uh, to 
do this work in us, to complete this work in us, to uh, provide us the strength and the opportunities. And uh, we just give them to you and uh, just praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.